You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be discussing the Wildcats' 14-point win over the Georgia Bulldogs last night. It was a game that kind of featured some back and forth early, but Kentucky eventually took over. I'm going to talk about the biggest moments from this one in a little bit. Also going to talk about what it means for the Wildcats moving forward. And then finally, we're going to talk about the rotation. So a few days ago, one of you asked, one of you guys asked me, I actually asked you to reach out and give me questions for the show. And one of you asked me about the rotation, what I would do to it. And we're starting to see the effects of some things that John Calipari is trying to do. So we're going to talk about the rotation, what he has changed later on in the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the show. It would mean a ton to us here at Locked On Kentucky. Kentucky 85, Georgia 71. This was a game at halftime that I did not feel great about. The Bulldogs were up 42-34 and essentially had not played phenomenal basketball up until that point, but it was more about what Kentucky was doing on the offensive end. In fact, uh, I believe after the first timeout of the game, Kentucky was shooting like 1 of 11 or something like that from the floor. I mean, they had fogged up a bunch of shots, just none of them had gone down. Oscar Shibway who we'll talk about in a second, actually started the game one of five uh, from the floor. So Kentucky was shooting cold, and and Georgia was just essentially getting to their spots. I was really impressed with the ball movement uh, from the Bulldogs. They didn't have a lot of assist, but the the things that Mark, excuse me, the things that Georgia likes to run, I was impressed with, as opposed to what Mike White liked to do last year at Florida. We talked in the the breakdowns, uh, actually, last year, if you were listening to the show, about offensively how Mike White was challenged with his Princeton offense about how he was trying to become a little bit more modern. And I definitely think you saw that in this game. Now, obviously, it didn't amount to a win, 71 points in total. And to be quite honest with you, not phenomenal shooting, but it was a game on the road against an opponent that I think has better talent. So credit to Georgia for sticking in this one. Credit to Georgia for seeing their two best players actually perform and perform really well. Uh, Cairo Oquendo went off for 18 points. Uh, I believe he was 7 of 13 from the floor. Terry Roberts, one of their better scorers, who was averaging 16 a game, he scored 21 points in this contest. So it, it was not a prolific night statistically for the Georgia Bulldogs. But I liked what I saw from them from a schematic standpoint. They just simply didn't go out there and execute. And then I think on the defensive end, it was more about trying to stop one human that they simply could not prevent from getting in the paint, getting good positioning, and either drawing a foul or getting a bucket. And that was Oscar Shibway. Oscar Shibway, if you did not watch this game, I'd like to run down his stat line for you. Shibway finished with 37 points, 24 rebounds, 3 steals, a block, and was 13 of 18 from the free throw line. Holy cow. So we've been talking about Oscar Shibway and about how he struggled on the defensive end. And let's all be very clear. He has struggled 
on the defensive end. But what he has not lost is his shooting touch and his offensive game against teams that do not have size and length. I know some of you are not huge fans of Jimmy Dykes. To be honest with you, I am indifferent on Mr. Dykes. But he makes some good points, and he made a really good point on the broadcast. It's something that we've been talking about on the show. I've not seen a ton of people out there mention this outside of me, and I'm not saying that I'm the one that knows everything about college basketball. I'm just saying it's such an obvious thing to point out. I'm surprised I haven't heard it more. But Oscar Shibway, who is six foot nine, two hundred and sixty pounds, struggles against size. And I don't mean just height, I mean physical build. The best player that Georgia has to put on Oscar Shibway, if I'm not mistaken, is Braylon Bridges. And Braylon Bridges is six foot eleven, two hundred and forty five pounds. He's fifteen pounds lighter and only about an inch, inch and a half taller. So whenever you put him up against Oscar Shibway, He's probably, Shibway is going to be able to consistently win that battle. I know that this is a, a, a season high in points for Oscar Shibway. And if I'm not mistaken, he hit 30 a few times last year, but he didn't get past 30. So I want to say that this was a career high for Oscar. So it, it, it's all about for him, what I said earlier, getting positioning in the paint, establishing himself, And even if it's against a bigger guy, it's all about that initial setup to me. Go back and watch this game. Go back and watch how Shibwe handled himself in the paint. Even whenever he didn't get positioning inside the paint near the basket, he was really, really good at getting to the rim and finishing. There were a couple of reverse layups that we saw. There were a couple of dunks in transition that were really nice. I mean, there was one highlight play where Antonio Reeves got a steal, fed it to, to Shibway. Shibway threw it down, I believe, plus a foul. Uh, it was a great, great, great game from Shibway in terms of awareness, in terms of executing whenever he got the ball. Again, I want to reiterate, he was cold from the floor early. He was 1 of 5 to start, and he finished 12 of 20, shooting 60%. That's great. That's exactly what Kentucky needs out of their star player. And I'm not expecting him to, I'm not even expecting him to score 25 a night. Look, he's averaging 17.3 right now per game. That's great. I believe last year he was actually averaging 17.4, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, he's he's right there in terms of his production last season. If he can continue to do that, then Kentucky, I think, is going to be able to stick in a lot of games. We highlighted a different player a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, Jacob Toppin as the guy who could potentially be the guy that turns Kentucky season around. And if he's not going to perform well, I said overall in that show that the front court needs to improve, period. Oscar Shibway, despite his defensive limitations, still has the ability to do things like this, to be special, to break records. And I think with the upcoming games that Kentucky's got, they've got a legitimate shot to kind of build some momentum as they head into a contest with the Kansas Jayhawks. And as it turns out, Kansas is not as invincible as possibly once thought. I want to talk about the upcoming schedule, a little bit more about this game, about the other players that executed really well in this contest. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from 
pro football as the playoffs continue to roll on, NBA basketball, college basketball, they've got it all there over at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Wednesday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate you hanging out here with with me and making Locked On, Kentucky your first listen every single day. Make sure you check out one of our newer podcasts on the network, the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It's everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Isaac Shade, Andy Patton do a phenomenal job over there. They bring me on just about every week, actually. You can hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, players. It's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Great, great show. Would highly encourage you guys to go check them out. Sticking around here, though, on Locked On Kentucky, uh, just for a little bit. So the Wildcats picked up this 14-point win, right? And I kind of want to just go over some more things that we noted in this game. And then I want to kind of take a look at the schedule. Wildcats did not shoot well in this one. They shot worse from three and from the floor than the Bulldogs. They just ended up putting, I believe, 14 more shots. They ended up putting up 14 more shots. And a lot of that has to do with the way that these two teams like to play in transition. Kentucky, right now, I would like to say is probably a little bit quicker on the offensive end. In fact, if you look at Kim Palm, their average possession length is significantly shorter than Georgia's. And if you go back and watch this game, it was Kentucky trying to quickly get out and run and trying to get some baskets at the rim. And they ended up executing in that area. They just simply put up more shots and then at the end actually made more shots. So Georgia was 24 of 52 in this game. Kentucky was 29 of 66. That's a worse percentage, but like we just mentioned, it's more field goal attempts. And then on top of that, something that Kentucky did specifically with Oscar Shibway, had it not been for Shibway, it would have been probably been significantly less free throw attempts for the Wildcats. But Kentucky shot 30 free throws in this game, and they made 76.7%. So this is the big thing I wanted to get to here. So last game before this contest, Kentucky obviously got their massive win on the road against Tennessee. They ended up shooting 25 free throws in that game as opposed to Tennessee's 10. And it was a pretty even dispersal of free throws. Antonio Reeves shot eight. Uh, Duthiero shot four. Frederick shot two. Shibwe shot four. Livingston shot two. And Toppin shot five. And they ended up combining to shoot 88% from the line. Now, as you all know, Kentucky has not been a good free throw shooting team this year. They've actually been really, really poor. They're shooting about 68% from the foul line this season. That is something that has to turn around. And we've seen through two games, it's been something that Kentucky has actually thrived at, knocking down their free throws. There is a game coming up against the Kansas Jayhawks that if Kentucky wants to make a legitimate push for the NCAA tournament, they've got to be able to win this game. And I know that some of you out there may say, may somehow find a way to argue with that and may say, well, they don't need to win this game. It's less about the pride. It's less about the rankings right now, the AP Top 25. It's less about the record, and it's more about who you've beaten. The net rankings are completely different than the AP Top 25. 
And whenever they sit down to do some of these things on Selection Sunday, Kentucky has to be somewhat of a legitimate, competent team based on the results of their schedule. Who have they beaten? What if their what is their strength of schedule? How many quadrant one wins do they have? What's their record on the road? They need to be able to pick up wins like this. And I'm so glad that we got to see a crack in the armor from Kansas just a couple days ago. Kansas State took them down 83-82 in overtime. It took a really, really solid performance from the Wildcats of Kansas State. But it shows you a couple of things. It shows you, one, that they're not invincible. And two, Kentucky could legitimately beat them. And I mean, you look at the, the, the performance from Kansas State. I'm going to read this off to you. Tell me if this doesn't sound like the way that Kentucky's playing basketball right now. So Kansas State ended up shooting 42% from the floor, 41% from three, and 78% from the foul line. Does that sound familiar? And I'm not saying, oh, look, they shot similar, so Kentucky's going to win. I mean, that's a very that would be a very shallow, dumb argument to have. I'm just giving comparisons here. Kentucky recently shooting well from the foul line. They're shooting about 38% from three on the year. And they're not shooting phenomenal from the floor. So I think that this, this team has the ability to put out somewhat of a similar output as the Wildcats did. So I definitely think this is possible. It's absolutely possible. Also, something else to note, Kansas, and we're not using transitive property here on the show. That's the last thing I want to do. Kansas lost to Tennessee by 14 earlier in the year. Kentucky just went on the road and beat them. So they're in, it's not transitive property. What I'm, what I'm saying here is Kentucky's in the stratosphere. They have the ability to beat Kansas. We saw them run them out of their own building last year, albeit with a different team. What's up, Keon Brooks? But as of this moment, after picking up a massive win against Tennessee and a massive win against Georgia, it's definitely starting to turn around. That's something that the broadcast noted for, for the SEC Network, I believe, talking about Kentucky, about how all the narratives are saying John Calipari, Calipari, however you pronounce it, has not been performing well for Kentucky, and then all of a sudden the narrative switched up. I, here on this show, have not changed my narrative, not changed my opinion. I still think that there are things going wrong with this team. I have not said that John Perry needs to be fired. I have not said that he needs to be let go. All I have done is simply discuss what other people have said about him and then resigned myself to the fact that he is not going to be fired this season. He could step down. And there are a lot of people that are very frustrated with him right now. I have done a lot of fence riding on the show, essentially. So please do not come at me in the comment section and tell me what I think without listening to what I have said. I would appreciate that. Because there have been some of you recently that have just simply not listened to what I have said, claimed that I've made a baseless claim, and then not given me your opinion yourself. Right now, I think Kentucky is in the midst of a disappointing season. They're 12-6. and six. But they have an opportunity to turn things around, and that's something I've continued to also note here on the show. They could just win out. I've said it's, it's highly unlikely, especially considering the stretch late, but they could just win out. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with this team. But they've not shown phenomenal signs of improvement, but these last two games are promising. And I, hate, I would hate to get my hopes up. Hate to get my hopes up and see them lose. But look, they've got Texas A&M, at home on Saturday. That's going to be a difficult game, but it's winnable. 
If Kentucky can avoid the slow start like they did against South Carolina and Georgia, that's a winnable game. Kim Palm thinks so too. They've got Vanderbilt on the road, which as it turns out, is going to end up being a little bit more difficult game than maybe we would have thought as they dropped 97 points on Arkansas the other day. Of course, Arkansas is off to a horrible start in league play, but still, they've got the ability to score. But Kentucky as a whole has a chance to be 14-6 and six heading into this matchup with Kansas. You get that 15th win, and then all of a sudden, you've got a four-game stretch after that where you would feel pretty darn good about Kentucky's chances in every single one of those games. After Kansas, you've got Ole Miss on the road, Florida at home, Arkansas at home, and then Georgia on the road. I mean, all of a sudden, we could be looking at Kentucky being a borderline 20-win team midway through February, and then all of a sudden, our fortunes really do start to turn around. There is a chance that Kentucky bounces back here. I'm not leaving that off the table. We just need to see a little bit more out of the Wildcats, but I like the direction that they're trending in. There's something, though, that I think is really interesting about how John Calipari has, has changed his lineups recently. We've talked... Hey, Calipari is not shying away from changing things up with the starting lineup and the rotation and the minutes, but he's been kind of forced to do some of that because of injuries recently. I want to talk about the backcourt and what he's doing with that in just a moment. I want to remind you guys, though, to just subscribe to the show if you're listening on YouTube. Go ahead and comment down below. If you've got questions for the show, please leave them in the YouTube comments. I will certainly compile them all together. I'll answer them on a show one day here soon if enough of you ask, to be honest. But yes, absolutely. Leave your questions in the YouTube comments below. Like the video if you have not done that already. And if you're listening on podcasts, please leave a five-star review. I've been looking. Hopefully, I haven't missed any, but I will shout you out and read your five-star review off if you leave one. So I would really appreciate that as well. All right, wrapping up the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. So lineup adjustments have been happening for the Kentucky Wildcats. So, as you all know, I really love Ken Palm. Ken Palm's a website that's a lot of college basketball statistics, a lot of college basketball math. And one of the things that Ken Palm allows you to do, if you pay for it, is take a dive into all of the player stats, individual player stats, and then the rotation or the minutes matrix, as they call it on the, on the website. And you can see how many different starting rotations a team has used so far this season. If I'm not mistaken, Georgia has used nine. There are only so many teams in the country that use nine starting lineups so far this year. And there are only so many teams in the SEC that have used eight. And Kentucky is one of them. Through these first first half of the season, through the first half of the season, Kentucky has used eight starting lineups. Now, part of that has to do with the fact that players have gotten injured. Obviously, no shock there. But Severe Wheeler, recently, after suffering an injury against South Carolina, has been taken out of the rotation, and he only played 11 minutes in the game against Georgia. Now, there are a lot of people out there that are upset with Severe Wheeler and the way that he performs. Statistically, he has actually improved. But overall, I think when you watch him on the court, uh, there's some... Interesting things going on, I think, decision-making-wise for Wheeler. And so he's been put on the bench because of this injury. He did not play against Tennessee. Ten- or Kentucky went on the road 
and beat a top 10 team without him. He did not play against Georgia, or excuse me, he played 11 minutes against Georgia, took only one shot, and Kentucky ended up winning the game by 14. And a lot of it had to do with what Oscar Shebae and what Kaysen Wallace had to do with it. There are a lot of people that have been calling for Kaysen Wallace to get more minutes. We did an entire show on this about two weeks ago. We asked a question. Should Severe Wheeler have his minutes relegated, or should Kaysen Wallace become the starter at point guard? They need a dynamic scoring point guard in order to succeed. You're going to see that next year with Rob Dillingham. 100%. You're going to see Kentucky improve dramatically because they have a guard in the backcourt that is a dynamic scorer and ball handler. Kaysen Wallace right now is that kid for Kentucky. He was 7 of 11 against Georgia. He was 2 of 4 from 3. Scored 17 points, had an assist, two rebounds, a steal, a block. I mean, he fills up the stat sheet. Don't get me wrong. And right now, he's shooting pretty darn good too. He's still shooting 41.8% from 3. He's shooting 47% from the field. I mean, he's a he's an efficient player. 3.7 assists to 1.7 turnovers. He's a good player. And we've only got so much of the season left. And so a lot of people are asking the question, okay, we've seen two games now that Kentucky has won where Kaysen Wallace has gone out there and been the lead man at the point guard spot. Now, obviously, we all know he did not play well against Tennessee. So I think that there is a bit of a question here. There's a bit of an argument here in a discussion among the Big Blue Nation about what Kentucky should do with the rotation. Because Cal is clearly adjusting things. It's not just because of the turnover, or excuse me, the, the injuries. Would people out there agree? And I'm not saying that this is true. I'm asking you a question. Would people out there agree that this may not need to be the starting lineup, but the most dynamic lineup that Kentucky has that they can go to Whenever they need scoring, and I'm sure you probably have this in mind already, Kaysen Wallace, C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, and then Oscar Shibway. Are those the five that Kentucky needs out there whenever they need buckets? I think so. I don't think that this should be the starting lineup by no means. I don't think that this should be the main lineup by no means. But Kentucky has shown that whenever they put this lineup out on the floor, this team plays well. Kaysen Wallace, C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves, or Chris Livingston at the three, Jacob Toppin, Oscar Shibway, that was the rotation that Calipari went with against Georgia, specifically later in the game. They turned an 11-point deficit into a 14-point win, using primarily that sort of lineup. I think they should go to it more often. Should it be the starting lineup? I don't know. Let me know what you think. Should, should Severe Wheeler still be the starting point guard for Kentucky? I don't really think that there's a yes or no answer. I think he's going to be, regardless of whether, whether we like it or not. But right now, there is, I think, a highlighted point of contention about what Kentucky should, should do at the guard spot. Because this, right now, is a pivotal point in the season. Kentucky's won two games. They beat a top-five team on the road. They need to continue to build this momentum. How do they capitalize on it? Do they go with the freshman stud that's phenomenal on the defensive end? Or do they go with the former Bob Cousy Award finalist 
who knows how to dish out a lot of assists, but is also short and also question and makes some questionable decisions every now and then. I don't know. I'm curious to see what Cal does with this. I'm curious to see how the rotation molds as the season goes on. I like Cason Wallace. I like Severe Wheeler. I like the team winning, so I would like to lean towards whatever makes that happen. If you've got a thought on this, you can leave it in YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. Follow me on Twitter at Lansdall underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And God bless.